Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to this fascinating world of autism. I am your host, Jeff Skibitsky. A little about me, I am the founder and president at EBS. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. Today, we're really going to be focusing on awareness, acceptance, and treatment as it pertains to those interactions between children with autism, families, and first responders. This week, we welcome Joey Hanna, the Executive Director from the Utah Parent Center and Community Advocate for many disability-focused boards, as well as Dr. Diana Davis-Wilson, who is the Chief Executive Advisor and Behavior Analyst at Aspen Behavioral, as well as a member of the Arizona Psych Board and advisor to many behavioral health boards. Joey, do you mind introducing a kind of how your experience um, is going to be impactful for the discussion today and just kind of introducing a little bit about your background. And Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yes, I, as you said, I currently am the executive director of the Parent Center here in Utah, where we provide training and resources to families who are impacted by disability, as well as special health care needs. Um, I have spent my career uh, working in social services as a social worker um, across all the way from um, doing crisis intervention work to working at the Parent Center. Also, I am a parent of a child with autism. And so I think my perspective comes from the work that I do, working with families, listening to their fears, their concerns, their experiences, um, trying to help families get linked with appropriate resources to help with all the different myriad of, of needs that they have, um, including things that are related to um, possible experiences and interactions with law enforcement. Okay. And, and Diana, do you mind just giving us a little bit more of a background uh, as far as your experience and how it pertains to the discussion we're going to be having? Absolutely. So in addition to my clinical background, I am the mother of a child with autism. Um, and because my son is um, on the higher functioning end of the spectrum, he has a lot of characteristics and traits that may be um, misconceived out in the community, which becomes a risk factor for me as, as both a parent and a professional when it comes to interacting with law enforcement. Um, but I think one of the unique perspectives that I have is that I do come from a family of first responders. I'm the daughter of a retired police officer. I have family members that are in corrections. We have family members that are firefighters and paramedics. And I'm married to a law enforcement uh, detective here in Arizona. And so over the last it's been about six years. I've worked with uh, several law enforcement agencies out here in Arizona on really creating training programs for officers um, around disability awareness and how we can better um, improve the interactions that we have. Um, so I do come with a, kind of a, a, I call it the trifecta of perspective. I have the clinical background. I have the parent experience and what we're living every every day, you know, not, not knowing which day is you know, going to be crisis and which one's not within our own household, and then having the first responder um, family uh, background as well. Right. I think it's always a good refresher just to kind of quickly just, just hit on the fact that why we're talking about this. Autism has an extremely high prevalence rate. There's so many children out there, and 
when we say autism, we're not talking about being able to look at any single one child and being able to identify irregularly. You're talking about a grouping of behaviors that create a diagnostic condition. What is it that, that police officers are able to do um, or first responders in general are able to do to create this environment so that there isn't that immediate escalation of fear? Um, I, I, the thing with, with first responders is that oftentimes uh, they're walking into to calls with a lot of unpredictability. And so the more information that they have going into a call, the more likely they're going to be able to navigate that situation. Now, most CIT officers, which CIT is crisis intervention training, and it's a curriculum that many of, of, of uh, the law enforcement agencies have offered out to their officers, but most agencies have you know, a goal of getting 60, 70% of their officers trained in these programs so that they do have officers on all of the shifts to pull from um, to be able to, to utilize the, these skill sets. But it still comes down to, you know, oftentimes, and I see this clinically as well, oftentimes when we are in, presented with crisis or we're talking about our children with autism, we're talking about them from a perspective of all the things they can't do. Um, or they don't do, or all of the the um, things that are kind of negative in, in, in intonation. So they can become aggressive. They may run away. And what we're not talking about is what are the things they can do and what are the things that they like. And sometimes getting those reinforcers into the hands of the officers or, or access to what those things are is going to be your best bet. If that's one thing in kind of your safety care planning, people will call it crisis intervention planning. I like to call it safety care planning because I don't, I don't think there needs to be a crisis or kids with high risk behaviors that that should have these things. I think everybody should have within your family a safety care plan. And I think as part of that plan, you really have to, as a parent, practice what are your child's strengths and what are the things that they like, because that's the information that's going to help the officer the most. And I think it's very important to keep in mind that for many of us, we are trained and qualified. One, as parents, we're you know, experts in our children, but as professionals, we're trained and qualified in how to navigate uh, social impairments that make building, building rapport difficult. An officer may not know that, and all of the training they received in any other mental health realm has all been about, oh, active listening, and you know, <laughs> all of these strategies that are great with typical social skills, but when you have social impairments, they kind of lose the tools that they need to be successful. And so they need those reinforcers. They need to know my child really loves SpongeBob or my child really likes YouTube videos because the sooner they have access to your child's strengths and interests, the quicker they're going to be able to build rapport with your child. I think that I'm glad you say that. I mean, understanding the skill sets, understanding what the child is capable of or the young adult is able to do. And then also understanding that, you know, the best way to avoid crisis is oftentimes introducing a pleasurable event. You know, I think that even at the core, it's just, it's, it's about knowing the individual person because every person is so different. And I totally agree. I think an opportunity to intervene with a, you know, by introducing something positive, I think is an excellent tactic. I think what it makes me think of though, and this is shifting topics a little bit, and I know it is specific to our state, at least, at least something I know to be true about our state is 
there are resources and there are, you know, for example, we have C- we have um, CIP officers here, but we also have mobile crisis response teams. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that we need to advocate for is that they have really good in- and, and flawless communication with one another. Absolutely. Because I think that sometimes there's a breakdown and then the right people aren't necessarily responding to the calls. And you know, a lot of times, and the, the, and this is a hard truth for, for many of us that we face, is that we are the people who are calling first responders to help us. Mm-hmm. We are the ones calling first responders, first responders to respond to help us with our children. And so it's just such a terrifying situation, but it can be mitigated so much if we are able to talk direct, either directly to, and we know what to say, like Diana said, a safety plan or a safety response plan or you know, whatever the language is. But where we can communicate appropriately with, with an appropriate person who is going to respond to give them that those pieces of information. I certainly know in my own particular case that that would be profoundly helpful. If an officer or first responder was able to engage with my son, on, um, you know, meet him where he's at with one of the things that he is interested in, even in a, in a high-stress, you know, escalated situation, that could certainly help de-escalate him safely. It sounds like groups like the Utah Parent Center are those resource hubs to be able to help make sure people know, you know, this is this is the education. If you if you are requiring a mobile response team, this is how it works. Is that you can work both with parents but also with the community on helping them to access that. And I think every community offers that same sort of thing. It's just figuring out how to access it and knowing that there's no bad question in these situations. There's only going to be a lot of answers coming to you if you're open to asking them before having to enter into these situations. The practice effect, being able to actually put things into process is what's going to give me the ability to do it at the moment I need it and to have the skill set already built so that I can then generalize it to these high stress situations um, what sort of technologies, and I'll start with Diana, what sort of technologies do you know of that are out there? Well, there is a new, um, and the Southwest Autism Resource and Research Center um, partnered with a group to do a simulation training for officers, um, which is great. Um, the challenge, again, is oftentimes in, in some of these virtual trainings, you're still up against the fact that there's still quite a bit of stereotypes in, in what their, the, the case example is, mm-hmm. um, and, and that it's one example, and we have such a wide spectrum of individuals. And so what we do here in Arizona is, and, and we do it through our parent associations, um, some of us as professionals are trained, and then we partner with the police departments to to use a, a program called Be Safe, the movie. And it's a uh, video modeling curriculum for individuals with developmental disabilities. Um, and so it, it's intended in, in its use to use video modeling and, and other, you know, role play activities and, and other feedback opportunities to teach individuals with, with disabilities how to safely respond with uh, respond to law enforcement uh, and first responders. They have a module in there for for um, EMS as well. Like, how do you safely respond to you know a, a fire or emergency call? But one of the things that I like about it is, in order for you to to run the class, you have to have officers there for the role play. And so, what we often do are able to do is get families and and parents as observers the individuals with autism going through the video modeling and the actual role playing is being done 
with real officers in a variety of uniforms. So we have officers that we ask to come in um, who just have a badge. We have officers that come in in full gear. We do uh, oftentimes try to do a canine demonstration because the kids like it. It's kind of fun. Um, but, <laughs> but teaching them, you know, about the different tools that officers may have and those sorts of things. And so it's a, it's a very interactive community event. Um, and we find that, that uh, it, we're getting feedback both from parents as far as their exposure to different types of officers is helpful, but also to, to the officers because they're like, wow, I've done this event three times and I feel like no two kids are the same. Um, and so we're kind of bringing down, you know, bringing down some of that stigma of autism looks like this and getting them, you know, hands-on experience with, with a variety of different types of, of developmental disabilities. I think having those role plays uh, and having the potential to do that, and it, it sounds like, that once again, these are things that could be replicated in a variety of different places. I think it's empowering. Um, but I also think that it promotes the one thing that we all should be looking at is, is just awareness. It's, it's knowing that you know, we, we're all coming in all different shapes and sizes, also all different ability sets. And that's no different to the autism community. And, and being able to expose first responders to that, but then also being able to expose our young adults and children with autism to the fact that first responders are all different in their appearance and taking away those generalizations. I think that's, that's extremely powerful. We are also really looking forward to um, we have a couple of partnerships going on with some um, organizations who do virtual reality training that we are really excited to be able to offer to families um, through a partnership coming up um, right, pretty much right away. And there is the ability within them to really personalize them for your person. So I am really looking forward to, um, to utilizing them for my son. I think they'll be in- incredibly helpful for him. Um, and it will definitely take a lot of weight off my shoulders. To, to be able to watch him participate in some of these trainings through virtual reality. And, you know, especially when I'm looking forward to him having some successful engagements with the virtual reality police officer so I can feel less stress. But I think the, the conversation is going to continue. And I think there are so many opportunities for learning and growth on both sides. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of this is so, uh, it, everything shows that there's a lot of actionable items that could come out of this. There's a lot of ways to improve. But then there's also ways to be able to kind of help make sure people understand the uh, the resources and to educate on what actually is out there even right now. Um, and, and just as an aside, is I think that uh, the personalization with virtual reality, um, I, I find that so interesting is that you can actually change your characters and stuff like that. It's uh, it's something that I always found is interesting. But uh I don't know if that would ever beat the in-person, but the in-person access and and the resources to do that is that combining the two, I think, is going to create a wonderful platform to introduce an item, introduce the subject, that give the routine practice, especially as a family, if you have any concern at all and you want your child to be able to engage appropriately, or if you want it in an inexpensive way as a training program to give more opportunity for your, for your uh, first responders. All of these are wonderful ideas. I, it shows that the needle is moving in the direction that we're hoping to see where education and community awareness is, is really forefront. Um, Diana, I, I wanted just to give you, you all, uh, both you and Joey, a chance to kind of wrap up on, you know, what, what it is that, that you are doing out there 
um, on the training, if there's any way that people could get in touch with you to be able to, to impact their own training program. And then Joey, I'd like to, I'd like to then follow up with, you know, at the Utah Parents Center, what's going on right now um, that families can get involved in. But I'll start with Diana. I mean, what is it that, that you might be able to help further the discussion? Is there ways that people can get in touch with you? Yeah, people can contact me at any time. I, I kind of call this project my labor of love. Um, so all of my work with the police departments are at no charge to the police departments. Um, all of my work with families or presenting at events or working with parent associations um, is all volunteer. So I do welcome anybody to email me. It's simple. It's Diana at AspenBehavioral.com. Um, I, people are more than welcome to contact me. I do encourage families, again, regardless of of really, whether you have a child with a disability or not, to start thinking about the term safety care planning and thinking about how as a family you can start to navigate these things because you always think it's never going to happen to my child or to my family. And and I think that's where we start to run into fluency issues because we never actually have this reality of it might. Um, and so I, I do encourage families to do that. And I encourage... I'll leave it with one other thought. I encourage you to speak to your local law enforcement um, and and have those conversations and not from a perspective perspective of they need training, but from a partnership of what is it that you're doing and what can we do? Because I know like here in Arizona, we have um, a lot of resident assist programs where families can enter their safety care, their safety care plan into a document with the actual police department. And so the police department has a copy of that. And so as soon as a call triggers to that address, the police department has that information available, which is so important because in crisis, and then we're not talking just behavioral crisis. Like we have children that wander. We, I may be having a medical emergency. So my, that could, you know, be a difficult crisis for my son to navigate. And so to be able to have these perspectives already entered in, you know, in a, in a perspective that law enforcement already has access to it um, is really helpful. Just opening up those conversations that you want to be a partner with them, I think is, is, is important, but yes, I'm, this is my labor of love. This is my passion. And so I'm always happy to help. I, I, I want to get up in there and almost just start shouting out that early preparation from the rooftop somewhere is that, you know, you never know when it's going to happen. You never know who it's going to happen to. It's that if you can give more information and be prepared and share that information, the more, the more opportunity you have to set yourself up for success. And, and Joey, is there, is there anything going on or is there any way people can make sure they have the resources through the Utah Parent Center to be able to make sure that they're educated on some of these concepts or some of the programs going on? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I just want to, I, I don't think we can, we can, the three of us can reiterate enough how important early planning and preparing is. I agree with you guys. I agree with Diana. That parents really should reach out to the law enforcement agencies in their local communities. I we have um, a similar sort of register regist- a registry in the Salt Lake area where you can register your your kid if they tend to be um, a kid who wanders. And we we did that, and we had a, a, an an incident. We've had more than one, but we had one incident that was very scary. Our law enforcement had to, had to respond and help us locate our our son, and so. I had information about him already, and luckily we were able to to um, find him really quickly. And then we plan to continue to continue offer offering workshops and um, continue to offer additional resources. And so we'll also be rolling out the, the um, access to the virtual reality training at that same during that same training. But we'll also have it on our website, and so families can find us 
at www.utahparentscenter.org. Um, and you can just sort of watch our website. They can also, also reach us by phone at 801-272-1051. And we are open nine to five every day. And I, I, I thank you both for, for being able to join today. Today's conversation regarding autism and first responders could not have been more timely. Education, awareness, and communication are critically important in emergency situations involving children with autism. Sometimes, as we've sadly experienced, it can be a matter of life and death. After speaking with Diana and Joey, I'm walking away with a few key action items that can really help prepare both parents and first responders for challenging situations. The, the takeaways for the parents are, you know, go out there and create a safety action plan. No one knows your child like you do. Think about these possible scenarios and communicate with your local law enforcement to make sure that you have the correct contact information for different situations. Give them those key pieces of information that they can build a file on so they know who your child is before they even have to go out there. Think about these scary situations and, and, and thinking about living them isn't fun, but it, it will make a world of difference if you actually find yourself in one of these challenging environments. The next thing is to lean on your community. Look for community and parent-led resources that can help you make those best preparations. Every community is going to be unique, so make sure you're reaching out to the parent groups, reaching out to any of those community action groups that can give you this information. And always make sure that you're giving helpful information to law enforcement at a time of crisis is that you might not be the best person emotionally to be able to share that information. So find somebody that can be there to help to explain or to give some clarifying information if you're not able to do it. Um, If you are, make sure that you're focusing on the things that are going to help your child to deescalate at that time and you're giving those tips over to the first responder and law enforcement. On the flip side, there are always takeaways for first responders and law enforcement. This is a a partnership that's being built and education is so important. Take advantage of the crisis intervention training. Understand the mobile response teams. The 70% participation that, that we have right now in the crisis intervention training, that might not be enough. Maybe we should be shooting for far higher. Remember that every individual with autism is unique. They may have different skill sets or display different behaviors than you're used to. Take your time. Ask the questions. Learn from the family so that you're better prepared for that incident. And always ask what would help de-escalate the situation. Parents have learned their child's unique features. They've learned their personalities. And sometimes it's one pleasurable thought, one pleasurable event that can distract enough to de-escalate a crisis. So ask those questions. Make sure you're involved in that. And as a community, the key takeaway is that we need to promote autism awareness. We need to always strive to be the best neighbors, public servants, parents, and advocates that we can be. It's important that we all educate ourselves so that we can be better and do better. 
the lack of preparation and education can lead to challenges and results that are traumatic and really unacceptable. All in all, I thank everybody for joining. And just remember, foster these relationships between the community and your family members with autism. Together, we will make a difference. And, and it's good to always take a step back and take these real life situations and think about autism in the real world.